Welcome back, everybody. Today we're going to be talking about the inside job episode of season three of Leverage. I've got Lisa Lynn back with me again. It feels like you're here every you're here every other episode almost. <laughs> no, there's going to be a long hiatus until the next time you see me, people. So that's true. Okay, so enjoy her while you can. You got a great lineup coming up. Y'all won't even miss me. <laughs> All of my co-hosts are excellent. So <laughs> you should always be excited. So the Inside Job aired on June 27, 2010. It was written by newcomer Jeffrey Thorne. Not really a newcomer, but a newcomer to Leverage. Did you know this? I didn't know this until I was researching for the last episode. So I guess I should have, though. They have the writing room on Leverage. So they're all writing these episodes as a group. And they'll choose like somebody who came up with the idea or somebody who was like kind of the the key writer came up with most of the stuff and they'll get the writing credit and they just kind of share and everybody else is a I didn't know that. Yeah, they're like a story whatever producer or something. But this one, Jeffrey Thorne, he was like a straight up fan of Leverage. <laughs> he sent them a script idea in I think season 1 or 2. And then they they brought him on to write this episode. So he he was an actual just fan of the show who, who wanted to write. I remember I was reading. Um, okay, we're going to mention this for the 10,000th time. John <laughs> Rogers is like Kung Fu Monkey blog. And then um, when he did the um, the post game for the studio job, which is another Jeffrey Thorne, I believe. And then he he showed a snippet of the script and he was like, that boy can write. And I was like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's really good. He started out as an actor. Interesting. And yeah, and his IMDb page says he quit cold turkey in <laughs> 2000. And he mostly writes comics. He was a producer on the Avengers Assemble cartoon. And Marvel had him create a, a Marvel superhero whose name is Mosaic. Oh. And yeah, he was... He was on 21 Jump Street, also <laughs> as an actor, the original. 20 Jump Street. Oh, is that the Johnny Depp thingy? Yes. Okay. And what else? He's done like Justice League action, mm-hmm. he's written stories for Ultimate Spider Man. Uh, he also came on and wrote, and I think oh. he produced some episodes of The Librarians. He wrote for Ben 10, the cartoon series. And he, as you mentioned, he's written several episodes of Leverage, oh. so five episodes. Speaking of John Rogers, this episode was his directorial debut. He directed this episode, which is pretty cool. And 10 minutes after we start recording, let me tell you a quick summary of the episode. When Parker takes a job outside of the Leverage team, she finds herself in over her head. Nate Elliott, Hardison, Sophie, and someone from Parker's past pit themselves against an unbreakable security prison and unscrupulous agriculture company on the brink of collapse. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see that tweet from like John like I guess I'm gonna say it's like a week ago when he was like um like a rap gift or something like they get, like he gives his people like go bags <laughs> like Parker gave Maggie yeah because like because I can't believe you people don't have proper to go go bags and then Adele just tweet like sent this to me like isn't this the most John Rogers thing ever and I was like, Very, <laughs> fine people I'll do it on my own. You can do it for yourself. God, do I have to do everything for you? Like, have I told you people nothing? Fine. And then there was this bit about like, I wanted to include like 25 feet of rope, but then you know, HR. 
Yeah. Well, I want to know what all he puts in it. Is there like a stack of cash? Is it is it all the stuff that Parker was talking like flash, about? Like I think like flashlights and stuff like that. Like I'll find I'll find the tool and send it to you. Nice. Yeah. But uh, that's not like the most John Rogers thing ever. I want to come up with what would be in my go bag. Like I would put my passport in my go bag. Well, yeah, definitely. ID, ID like passport id some cash like what would like how much would you put in the like five hundred dollars a thousand how much would you be in proper go back in proper amount? it would depend on how much like are we talking me how much money i could <laughs> put in there dollars that's for sure but ideally, ideally ideally if you ha- really have to make a run for it you'd want at least a couple grand right you would want them in non-sequential bills uh yeah, you'd want something kind of untraceable. Mm. So yeah, you need your passport, you need money. Uh, you just want like basic toiletries, some clean underwear. Water. Water. Uh, I'd need at least one tube of lipstick in there. <laughs> um, just like a just like a good solid red that'll go with everything. Like a um, Revlon red, like a basic Revlon red, like a good re- Revlon red. Or I don't, I don't know if I've ever worn a Revlon red, but yeah, just like a just a good red, uh-huh. and some sunglasses, an extra pair of prescription glasses. Well, Steve, you would need like you would need sunblock too, wouldn't you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think that would go with my regular toiletries, some yeah. moisturizer. <laughs> because, like you know, yep. Just because I'm on the run doesn't mean I can't look after my skin. <laughs> well, and you don't want to burn because you have fair skin. You don't want to burn. I have the fairest skin. Yeah. But do we need hair products? Or would that go with their toiletries? Yeah, I think a little bit of hair product, just conditioner. <laughs> um, couple, like, couple outfits, like, you know. Yeah. That like you can dress, wear like because you don't know outfits. You don't know what weather you're gonna be, and so you you want a jacket, you want like t-shirts and and, and, and flip flops and some sturdy shoes, sturdy sneakers. Yeah, God, this go bag is getting really big. <laughs> yeah, I think I mean, flashlight need flashlight need like yeah, flashlight uh, like a a USB drive so you can like steal files off a computer. Um. A phone charger, oh. extra phone charger. Oh yes, or like a burner cell. But you still need a charger, though. Yeah, yeah, because you wouldn't want to take your own phone though, because it could track you. Yeah, and then like you would use your cash to buy the burner phone, so you can really can't trace it. Yeah, yeah. Although if you go to CVS, it'll probably catch you on camera, but that's a whole separate thing. We get it like at the kiosk in the outdoor mall areas. This is true. Yeah. And you, you know, you've got your baseball cap because if you got the baseball cap on, nobody mm. can recognize you. That's why. Yeah, sunglasses, baseball cap. Yeah. Yeah. I hate a baseball cap, though. It looks so bad on me. Anyways, so this episode, let's begin. <laughs> <laughs> so on the 27th floor of Wakefield Agriculture, Parker is on the run from a bunch of security guards as the alarms are blaring. And yeah. she just keeps like turning a corner and. They miss all in black, like as a thief, proper thief does. Yeah, she's got this uh, really interesting custom made thief outfit. It's very ninja. It's got like um, the the shoulders are a little pronounced. It's got like a wrapped waist. She even has like weird little booties on. 
like we just like jump right in there's like no intro yeah. or anything we're like snap snap dab in like, yes in media race just yeah the tension is already high the shit has already hit the fan <laughs> and like why is parker alone yes uh, because we immediately see then Nate back at headquarters having making a very nice breakfast while he's watching uh, TV and uh, having a drink, <laughs> you know, a little morning. And, like and getting his floor with Sophie. Oh my gosh! Up. Yeah, Sophie comes in and he like feeds her, mm-hmm. and it's very charged. It is who um, I should have had you make me breakfast long ago or whatever. Yeah, and he's like, "Are we ever going to talk about the kiss?" <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't remember a kiss though. She <laughs> slap. And he is still working off the slap. I mean, you can tell like that's been bugging him. Or oh yeah. He's like, like, six or nine months how long this has been. You can mm-hmm. tell. Yeah. Uh, but just when things are getting amped up between the two of them, his phone rings. But there's some foreshadowing because they're watching this new bro- news broadcast with Janet Lynn. Yes, and which I had not. <laughs> realized until the third watch it was like oh that's that's her from yes <laughs> and i'm trying to think like has she been was she in a past episode too maybe we'll have to look it up on imdb let me see yeah i'll look it up um yeah so he gets a phone call from a mysterious man and we don't see him we see the top of his head and we kind of see the back of him and he tells him that parker is in trouble that she has broken into a building with a Starenko security system, which Nate already knows is bad. And uh, <laughs> Sophie's just pissed that Parker took a job without them. I don't, I don't know if I'd say pissed, but she's like shocked and like, like what? Like outraged. Uh, which, yeah. yeah. Disappointed. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like and, but there's no time for that because they've got to go find her. I was like, well, I thought we'd come so far, Parker. Like, now you're going off the reservation. We talked about this. We don't yeah. do that. Yeah, I think probably, like, watching this episode for the first time, like, it does throw you. You're like, I thought that we'd made all these steps forward and, you know, we're feeling like a family oh, yeah. and a unit, but how well, could we're you? We're going to see Janet again in a future episode. We are. Russia. Uh Rashomon job, but yes, oh, yes, the Rashomon job. Okay, um, so Nate and Sophie. Are, so at this point, we don't see the guy who made the phone call, right? No, we just point. see the back of him very dramatically on a rooftop. So we'll talk about who that is in a minute. <gasps> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Nate and Sophie pull up outside a warehouse, and Sophie's confused because she says this isn't Parker's address, and Nate's like, "Oh yeah." Parker has all these fake addresses that she gives. And, and it is so, and then, and then we go in and it's like, it is so creepy and so. It's funny. so creepy, but Sophie is able to get them in because she knows the, what the keypad code is. And it's, it's her real name, which I love. And like, such a deliberate way to like needle Nate and like antagonize the fans too. Yeah, remember afterwards, like, and John was like, "No, don't freeze frame the keypad and try to figure out the name, people. We (laughs) (laughs) we're onto your tricks. Not gonna work. We blocked it enough. Yeah, Uh, 
Yeah, but Sophie's, you know, she's confused before they even go in. Like, why did she still doesn't trust us? We've gone through all this together. We've because it's been like at least three years at this point that they've been together because we're on our third season. Uh, and with so she, took with a, like, she took a job outside the team. I'd say, yeah, she doesn't trust us with like six month like hiatuses in between. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and uh, we don't see all their jobs, right? They've yeah. said before. There, yeah. we see maybe every third job so the time in between is even further and the time that it takes to set up sometimes is a little lengthy yeah uh so he's able to crack the keypad oh yeah and inside this warehouse they find the home most worthy of the creepiest serial killer you could imagine and empty dark warehouse <laughs> with just a bedroom in the center surrounded by all of her gear and like and cereal bowls and spoons lined up just Yes, there. yes. I had to pause that and like look at it because I didn't notice it till this morning. I was like, what the <laughs> hell? Uh, and I oh, wonder... Did you notice who was on the bed? Oh, yes. Her bunny is on the bed, her stuffed rabbit from the f- her, her, our initial flashback in the first episode. And they went and... So Jeffrey uh, put that in. Like, he was like, that was the icing on the cake. It was the last thing I put in there, and I knew it had to be in that room. So we really know this is Parker's, and they all knew that they had to go find that exact bunny again, because we would know. And, and did you see Sophie picks it up and hugs it? It's, like, really fast. Like, Nate's talking in the background, but Sophie picks up the bunny, and she hugs it while she's talking about Parker. And I'm like, ah! I mean, that is a very important bunny. That's just not just any bunny. Yeah. Like, well, that that foster dad took it away from her and so she's like f you i'm gonna blow up your house give me my bunny <laughs> yeah don't mess with that girl's bunny elliot and hardison run it oh, late and <laughs> and the, another creepy flashback okay like can we just talk about that we can and i think we're gonna want to talk about different things about this flashback so go first of all I, I don't know who i think they said it was some crew person or someone who like who snakes him out convinced to put on the Sailor Moon costume. And also, I think I remember reading that that was the same music that they used for Elliot's commercial in the Three Strikes job. <laughs> That's great. I didn't read that. I love that. Um, music, right? Yeah. I, so the, I don't know. I don't think this scene reads the same way to me. So, I don't know. Like, this doesn't bother me. Like, if this grown man wants to wear a Sailor Moon costume, like, go for it. Obviously, you own this business. You're unlocking the door. Like, you're a successful person. If you want to dress as an army character, you know, live your life. But being a cue from Elliot and Harrison were clearly like very uncomfortable in that situation. Whatever. Like, Elliot is a man who wears his hair long, who cooks gourmet meals. Who not no. so, I do not think should feel weird or emasculated by this at all because I think he is very secure the in his mind. And then the runway job, he wore guy liner, remember? That, that's why I don't think that Elliot would bat an eye at another man dressed up. Like, I don't think that should bother him at all. Like, that doesn't track yeah. for me personally. Um, but also, Hardison, Alec Hardison is a citizen of the internet. This man has seen things on the internet. <laughs> Seeing a man dressed in a Sailor Moon costume should not make him bat an eye. It should not, like, this situation should not have been traumatic for either of them. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, this is, 
I think it was in the second Damon job when the flashback or something or other, when he was like, he tried to Jedi mind trick the hotel person. This is not the room you're looking for or something like that. So yeah. he like, he no, that's, the, that's the first episode when we get the like yeah. to how, how good of a hacker he is. He, yeah this man knows what bronies are he's not going to be put off by a man in a sailor moon costume so i just like i don't know I and mean, i feel like that's know, like, like I'm, I'm shaming too. You, know, you you do you sir like you go live your best life yeah i think i can buy it to the extent that they were expecting to see where harker lived and instead this is what they see so they're a little shocked because they're stressed out because their girls in trouble and this is what they see instead but they looked yeah more affected by it than i thought they would or than i think they should but whatever and kudos to whoever was in that sailor moon like sailor moon outfit like he like owned it and he pulled it off yeah owned it yeah like it's and i don't know maybe i just because of like you just need a tailoring, Steve. It's, it's the fit of it. Hey, it is hard to find <laughs> costumes like that that are pre-made that fit properly. <laughs> and they're very expensive to make on their own. Like, no, he's doing fine. His wig looks amazing. I'm like, I'm not here for denigrating people who dress in other clothes. Like, it doesn't, I'm it's not. not I'm not trying to shame. It's like, year 2019. <laughs> I'm, I'm not trying to shame. I, I just don't know what. Like, it just. It just didn't hit me right, right. Like it just took me a while to like to get into it and be into it, you know. Mm-hmm. Like you know, like go live your best life, dude. Like you do you, you yeah. know. I don't know. Just good. I would have complimented him, but anyways, that's a very small part of this. That yeah, I don't know. I think just on the heels of some of the issues that I had with the reunion job episode, this kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. Like some of the things that I didn't think were funny that they were trying to have be funny in that episode. And then this didn't land for me as it they were. Oh, the bullying in the reunion job. Um, the there were a lot of things. There not like the what is it? The Sophie calls someone a slut. Uh, uh she hates cheerleaders. The um Elliot flashback with his home ec teacher pushing her boobs up against him. Um <laughs> the, the like talking about what double D means. Just like some things that I was just like, yeah. oh, that's gross. I don't like that. Mm. So, but, you know, but at least we know where Elliot got his love of cooking from. <laughs> yeah, no. And that's fine. Like, it's okay for a high school boy to crush on a teacher, but it's not cool for a teacher to act that way around a high school student. That's where my issues were. That was Probably inappropriate and predatory, yeah. and I didn't like it. But yes, moving on from this. So, so uh, um, the guys run into the room. They're they needed a minute to get themselves together. They needed a second to get themselves together. Yeah. <laughs> and Hardin is completely thrown off by this room. He's like, "This is not what I was expecting." And Elliot says, "Nope, this is this tracks. <laughs> this is much exactly what I was expecting." Oh yeah, not surprised at all by this. And they made a really cool point in the commentary when they were talking about kind of how they set up this room. They because. Parker likes the the feeling of like things being close around her. Like she doesn't mind being in air ventilation shafts, but she also doesn't like corners. So having this just one lit small enclosed space within this larger 
space uh, really works really well for her, which I thought was really cool. Also, uh, the Band-Aid on Elliot's nose in, in this episode is because Christian Kane actually hurt himself. Again. Always. Um, and like so many times on the blog, like John is like, that boy, why does the assistant doing everything himself and giving me heart attacks? That boy. But then he just heals really quickly. So whatever. And, and like, and John is like that resigned parent is like, he's gonna, the kid's gonna do what the kid's gonna do. Like, the mm-hmm. thing about it so yeah and and it adds to the episodes in some ways like later in in this episode uh, i'll i'll bring that up but yeah so they're looking through her stuff and they see that she's got this whole plan to get into this building and it's all well laid out and they think well, maybe like was like this is this is meticulous this is like as good as one of yours yeah and so maybe you're rubbing <laughs> off on her and he goes probably not if she's taking on a steranko by herself <laughs> which Personally, I think it's something that Nate would actually do if he thought his team was in danger. Because we've seen Nate do really stupid, risky things uh, to save the team or to save Maggie. Or if he, you I mean, know. That was the button. That was the button Sterling pushed at mm-hmm. the, in the Maltese Falcon job. Yeah. Which I think thinking that is kind of foreshadowing for what we're going to find out in a few minutes. And uh, Hardison finds out that it's a Steranko that she's trying to get into and he's beyond upset. And it's great that we have all these people who have different strengths because <gasps> everybody but Sophie knows what a Steranko is because she's a grifter. And if she's doing her job right, the mark. See, like, this is like, that, that, that's like how we, which they talked about in the second David job. Like, you know, when Nate was like, you're solving your version of the crime instead of the, the crime. Because, mm-hmm. you know, like, and Sophie's like, look, if I'm doing my job, I don't have to worry about the alarm. I'm going to yeah. get to turn it off for me. Yeah. And then Hardison's like, how do I hack a back door in there and shut it off? So, and, and Parker's thinking, okay, how do I evade the alarm and sneak in? Mm-hmm. And I like, okay, how many people do I put out and get in and out and get what I need? Yeah. You know, so it's like, it's so, it's just kind of like interesting how they, each attack the same problem. Um, but back to this Durango, it is the most difficult security system. I mean, the way the CIA said it was uh, extra. Like props to Jeffrey for describing it as like huge ass computer that can like that can beat a thousand people at chess, mm-hmm. and then like as the personality of an angry pit bull or something. Yeah, of a pissed off Rottweiler. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Hardison so, says it's yeah. uh, well. Nate asks him if he could take on the Starengo, and he's like, "No, this is like Everest. You can't just jump on Everest and try to climb it. You've you got to train, muscle up." But can you do it for Parker? And then Aldous Hodge is, just does some really good face acting, uh, and you know he says, "Yeah, he's gonna try, but he's got to be inside the building because you can't get to it from the." Are inside. you in your feelings right now? I'm in. I'm. If Alec Hardison is around, I'm in my feelings. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so then Nate says for the first time in forever, I feel like, no, I guess he said in the last episode, but he says, let's go steal a Parker. <laughs> let's I go mean, steal a Parker. Talking about Horison getting a little touchy. Like he was getting, like Ellie is just grumbling, like, this is ridiculous. Like we're going in there without a plan. I mean, obviously he's going to, he's like on board, like, do we're going to do whatever we need to do to get Parker out. He just needs to get, he needs to vent and, and bitch and get it out of his system. 
Which is not how Hardison needs to do it. And then they they do like get up in each other's faces for a second before Sophie and, 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 and Elliot's like, what is your damage, man? I'm not saying not do this. I'm just saying this this situation sucks. We should have a plan. Yeah. <laughs> but like Elliot I love that because <laughs> I think that's super real to life is we we're all dealing we all deal with stress in different ways. And when you you realize you, you realize you're having an argument with someone and you're both on the same side and you're like, wait. Wait, but we we're both saying the same thing just in our own ways, and then you're like, okay, let's just do this. Yeah, <clears throat> and then even Nate's like, we're gonna do this on the fly, so let's go steal a copper. Yeah, I love. Sophie's like, that's the plan. He's like, it's all I've got right now. Give me some time. <laughs> so Hardison is trying to. Ex- they're now parked outside of uh, Wakefield Agriculture's. We're doing some exposition something. We're doing a lot more. Yeah, exposition because we got to know that. This is a huge multi-billionaire conglomerate that's not just a grocery store. You think of Sweet Valley High, the Wakefield twins. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yes. But okay. Okay. Um, So Wakefield Agriculture, it's huge, huge company, not just a grocery store, as Sophie thinks. Uh, And but even they've not been doing well during the financial crunch and their VP is running scared. Uh, and then he was like cereal you know as in wheat rye not as in captain crunch yeah (laughs) Uh, so elliot is you know we talked about them fighting because he's walked to the perimeter of the building and there's he's nervous about plantations (laughs) in broad daylight and he's grumpy and everyone and then he's like and he was like the lobby's the only way in and that is no go Mm -hmm. So Nate points out that when you're planning a job like this, you want to have a home base like, with a good vantage point. And all of the pictures that they found in Parker's home are from the same kind of angle. And Elliot knows, oh, that's got to be the south side of the building because of the light on this window. Okay. Like, I, I like just look like science. And I just have not really gotten along since middle school and math. So I, I'm just going to trust that you can do that math with the angle. Oh, no, I totally trust that Elliot knows uh, outside reflections of yeah. the sun. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, uh, and I think this is a, also just a good tactic on Nate's part. He's going to take Elliot out of this situation. That's very tense partisan. <laughs> so he and Nate are, Elliot and Nate are going to go find that spot from where these photos were taken. Separate the boys. Yeah, just like, okay, if you can't get along, come with me. Uh, and Hardison and Sophie get ready to make their entrance because they're not going to sneak in. They're going to walk right in. Again, like what we were talking about earlier, how they attack a problem. Because like, yeah. you know, like a hacker, like we sneak in and find entrances. A grifter like me, we make an entrance. Making, yes. We're going to we're gonna make these people do what we want so that we can get to the places we need to get to. And, um, and a very lovely purple suit that like suits yeah. very well, by the way. Yeah, they both looked very nice. I did oh, like yeah. Hardison's red jacket to begin with, though. Yeah. Um, but he looked very good as his alter ego in a second. And then we get to meet our villains from this episode. So we have... Uh, uh, First, we have the head of security, Mr. Voorhees, which is a total Friday the 13th reference to Jason Voorhees. Uh, Then we have Dr. Hannity and Charles Rushing, who are apparently anti-homages to Sean Hannity and Rush Limbaugh. Oh, Lord. (laughs) Also, but can I just say, I don't feel like Rushing was actually a villain. I feel like Voorhees and Hannity. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. no it's definitely Voorhees and Hannity well we don't know that at this point yeah. but uh yeah and, and like you know all due respect to Lisa and Brenner like a little nepotism going on so yeah a little nepotism because Lisa Brenner is wife of producer and director Dean Devlin <laughs> also she has the biggest eyes she looks like freaking Bambi. Like her eyeballs are just gigantic. Interesting juxtaposition. How sweet and innocent she looks. And what's yes. and she's got like, the little ponytails. She's got the big eyes, and she's like, cutthroat. Yeah, and like I basically remember her from the Patriot, who was like Heath Ledger's like girlfriend. Oh, that was her. Um, I think she's super adorable, but I love that she was evil. Like, I think that's really fun. I think she's like a bad guy on an episode of The Mentalist, too. So apparently Lisa Brenner can do baddies. There you go. Like, you can understand why the owner is talking with the head of security, but why is she, like, in this meeting, too? You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So that's almost like a little bit of a red flag. Yeah, she does say that her... It, they were trying to break into her biohazard room. So you can kind of see like, oh, you know, she's like the head of this department and that is concerning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so. So then we, we find out who Hardison and Sophie are playing and they're playing Emily Peel and Jonathan Steed, which are references to the original Avengers uh, Emma Peel and John Steed. I kind of wish it would have been Key and Peel because I love me, but I love me some Keegan Michael Key and Jordan Peel. Jordan yes, this was in 2010, and they were not yeah yet. Oh. So going back to some old <laughs> crime fighters because Hardison made up these <laughs> alter egos. Um, I, just, <laughs> I mean, I love how leverage unabashedly loves giving their nods to their key, like, like, oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> they gotta show that geek cred. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, speaking of like old-fashioned references, Nate gets up oh. onto the roof of this building, and we meet <sighs> the mysterious man on the phone. We meet the world's greatest thief, Archie Leach, played <sighs> by Richard Chamberlain of Thornbird's fame. Yes. Um, I mean, apparently the whole cast and crew just fell in love with him. How could you not? He's like a suave SOB. And charming. And, so, and I was like, and like, how perfect is it that they just named him after Cary Grant? The character after Cary Grant. Yes. Perfect. It's uh, ideal. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, John Cleese's character, I guess, from Fish Called Wanda as well. Oh, who was cool. named for yeah. Yeah. Cary Grant to begin with. Uh I love it. And I wrote, thank God Nate's collar is turned up so he looks cool talking to Richard freaking Chamberlain. I mean, like, if I, if I, I mean, like, especially for a younger actor like Alice, like, I would be intimidated as hell if I was, like, if I'm in the presence of Richard Chamberlain. I don't think they're in a scene together at all. They will be later. In a later mm, Yeah, but not, they're not here. I, I wonder if they even really saw each other on set. Because uh, it's in the commentary, they say that, I mean, Parker, because he's such a big part of Parker's background, like, they didn't, they only filmed one scene together. Mm. And, yeah, there's, like, a scene where they talk over the comms, but yeah, he wasn't able to be there the day she was filming that, so she did it without someone else. Uh, but, yeah. Um, so, 
Yeah. Uh, we meet Archie Leach, who's Richard oh. Chamberlain. And I, I love yeah, this. Like, like, coup of a casting. Like, kudos yeah. to them. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, it's such a trope, but I love these moments when the, some, like, bad thugs show up right behind Nate and Elliot, and Nate just does not look concerned at all because he knows in two seconds Elliot's going to, like, turn and, like, beat the shit out of everybody. <laughs> just like the payoff is always so good and then like the other trope of having a serious conversation in the foreground with like elliot beating everyone up in the background it's just chef's kiss got good and and he and archie just talking shop like what was the last time i saw you i think it was venice maybe or new york no it was yeah definitely mallorca oh with the white doves (laughs) And, you know, like talking about like faked deaths and, oh, are you, what color hat are you wearing right now? White or black? And then Archie takes out the last of the thugs. Oh, which is great because we're, at this point we're thinking he, that they work for him, but we find out that he's actually. Being course, like, of course, Richard Chamberlain can pull off like looking dapper as hell with, like, with a cane. Of course he can. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Um, like, why yeah, we find. We find out that those thugs don't work for him. He is being held hostage by them because he was contacted by someone who gave him this job and is threatening his family's life. And Parker is rescuing him. Who apparently think is an accountant. Yeah. Okay. Who buys Richard Chamberlain as a boring old accountant? Come on. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I love his accent. He's very much that, like, Catherine Hepburn, like, weird, super posh. He's totally American, but you don't really realize that. It's like, <laughs> think about it. it's just this very polished continental mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, it's very Ivy League. Um, yeah, so Parker isn't working with him. She's rescuing him. And Elliot's like, why would she rescue you? And he says, because I'm her father. And then he just walks off. And Elliot's like, Boop. And he even like makes these hand motions as they because Nate follows him. He's like, Wait, what? Huh? Huh? Like, that was a hell of a mic drop. You're the what now? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, using their new alter egos, Sophie and Harrison have access to all of the top VPs of the company. And I mean, their- can we just say, like, Sophie is just like antagonizing everybody off the bat? It was like, oh, we're going to find out who's going to get who we hit to figure out who gets fired today. And her, like, the way that she like controls her face in that scene, like, her face is just dead. Like, her eyes don't really move. Like, she just. It is obviously she's like this cold fish does not give a shit about anybody. <laughs> she is like the epitome of cold, like corporate shark who mm-hmm. can, doesn't give a shit about anything but the bottom line. Yeah, yeah. And when Hardison Hardison gets the little badge to go uh, commandeer a computer, and he like does this like smile. Uh, <laughs> it was like I'm I I have to leave for a minute. Um, it was very good shot. They, very this is cougarish. Do you? Know- this is vaguely cougarish. No, uh, I feel like Alice Hodge is about our age. He's a he's a grown man, okay? <laughs> he is a man. He's like oh. 22 months younger than me. It is totally fine. And he was legal when he did this anyway. It's not like he was 16. He's three years older. He's three years younger than me, all right. Yeah. yeah. All right, all right. So, anyways, t- stop trying to shame me. <laughs> Get away. Oh my gosh. I'm not here for this. Ugh. 
Shooting that guy in his Sailor Moon costume. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, so Sophie's here to fire all the VPs and Hardison's here to drill holes in the wall and hack into the Storenko. The Storenko. And the Storenko, the name of the Storenko is apparently a reference to a comic writer named Jim Storenko. Interesting. Oh, Jeffrey, you're such a nerd. I love you. (laughs) So uh, now we're getting to hear more background about Parker, which is really interesting because we know very little about her. uh, And we learned that Leech Archie is not her uh, actual father, but 12 years ago, she's a father figure. Yes. Yes. So 12 years ago, she tried to pick his pocket in New York City and... uh, basically she was just this feral child and he saw that she had the gift so he kind of took her under his wing and mentored her and trained her and we get this really cute flashback where this this young parker is cartwheeling through lasers to get some ice cream and then has to cartwheel back to get one-handed to get the spoon how is that even possible well they put the lasers in afterward the move for the movie that's how, for you know for movie magic that's how they did it i mean, it's, it's, I mean it, it, it felt like borderline like you know like you know she she does it she looks so proud of herself she gets the ice cream and then he's like you forgot the spoon and she's like oh but she doesn't even she's just like oh okay i'll go do this like i think Parker was probably so starved for someone to appreciate her talents and kind of push her. She's like, to please. Yeah. And so, like, obviously, Nate's upset that Archie didn't help her more. He didn't, like, really bring her into his family. And he points out that, you know, he has this family who thinks he's an accountant, like you said earlier, and that Parker wouldn't fit in. But Nate and Elliot are like, that's bullshit. Like, that's not an excuse. Like, you just... She was broken, and you didn't do anything to help fix her. Um, how is she- but like in the in the flashback, that girl who's playing young Parker obviously has braces, and I'm in my head. I'm like Archie paid for her to get braces. Like <laughs> Archie, you know, helped her in that way. Um, I don't know. I think that shows that he did care about her, but not enough, or not in the way that would have given her a nice stable family which makes me sad so so we know now that Parker went out on her own after the bad guys found Archie and threatened his family and they gave him the codes and the plans and he had just called Parker for advice but she jumped the gun and went in without him so and now finally we know everything about like why did she do this dumb dumb thing it's because she loves this man and she wanted to help him which I think is also shows Parker's growth. I think. So um, Hardison's downloading files and he's hacking into the Storanko cables, but he's in this office that has a window to the outer offices (laughs) with the cubicles. I think that's what he's saying about like, I anything I do to try to find Parker, like Storanko's going to track. So we just have to hope she sends up a smoke signal or something. Yeah. And we find I don't know where she is, and she doesn't yeah. know that they're there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Elliot says it's a lobster trap. It's easy to get in, but it's not easy to get out. And and then they're having that moment again where they're like, "How does that help me? Why are you saying that? That's dumb." 
<laughs> I know this. Uh, but Elliot then guesses, he's like, you know, these upper level CEO types, they're going to want some privacy. So he thinks there'll be a blank in the security system up there near their offices somewhere. And then Hardison has to be like, oh, yeah, that's actually a good idea. And Elliot gives this look like, yes, I'm good at this too. Kind of. You're in my house now. You're in my house. Yeah. Um, and Parker's crawling around in a ventilation shaft where there are laser trip wires. And she is so offended. Yeah. She's like, what? Like, I mean, of course I'm in there. But Seriously? <laughs> so she's got to get down and avoid being scanned because they are scanning people's badges and their the eyeballs their retinal scans uh, so she steals a lab coat and some glasses and a badge and a cubicle so that she can call Hardison from inside the building <laughs> but of course the Starenko finds her almost immediately and Hardison sends her to a different cubicle to just kind of stay ahead of it and then he messengers her some earbuds I love that I think that's such a such a cool way to use that yeah it's not technology, but, you know, the resources that you have. Yeah. Uh, and Nate realizes that the blueprints that Archie has been given are original. They've got the water mark from the company itself, uh, which means that they came from inside the company somehow. And only higher up people in the company would have access to it. So Sophie is looking around at this the room. where she's everyone is melting down. Because she threatened to fire them unless they could prove to her that they shouldn't be fired. Yeah. And and, she, and Nate's like, look at look around. What are you seeing? What are you sensing? And she's like, zeroes in on the one person who is like just sitting there, bored, like <laughs> judging everybody, <laughs> like so over it. And she's just kind of like, she's like, oh well, Doctor Hannity doesn't seem freaked out at all. So hmm. Uh, and they also, Nate and Archie realize at the same time that if this is an inside job, then they don't want any loose ends. That's the only way that this is going to yeah. work. And that means that Parker has to die, which is uh, not good. And then, like, and then Nate tells her, Sophie, like, all right, talk to Dr. Hannity, see what you can get. And kudos to Sophie for her skills, because... <clears throat> she just zeroed in on how exactly to push her buttons mm -hmm. and how to get her get Hannity to do the evil speech of evil with with none of the background that she pretended to have on her like she's got this folder that has like her file but it's just blank paper <laughs> and she's just getting Hannity to feed her all the information she needs guesses about oh the middle of your class hmm <laughs> just published here and there mm, it's not great but i think like when she goes through when she when dr hannity is like i'm getting ahead of the curve i'm getting the cure for the blight before we release the blight you know and all this horrible and then like i think at, at one point like sophie's face map mask like disappears and she's reacting as sophie like oh my gosh mm-hmm what the hell? Like, whoa. Yeah. Like, this is a whole other level than we thought we were. Like, this is some serious, like, we're talking about global, like, implications-ish. 
Yeah. Uh, so we should, we should explain that for <laughs> the listeners. Um, yeah. So when Sophia is poking at Dr. Hannity, she, you know, points so, out you've spent billions of dollars and you haven't made any money for this company. And Hannity, like, why should I fire you? You're wasting company resources on this research. Just, uh, that's obviously not going anywhere. And then she's and Hannity's like, you don't know anything. And then she does her evil speech of evil. Does her evil speech of evil. This is this blight from Russia and uh, UG99. And if it comes here, there's no there's no wheat that's in, immune from it here. But I've developed a strain that is immune. So if this gets somehow gets to the United States and it is released, it will cause this huge blight. And um, that's when Sophie's mask falls. She's like, that's a famine. Like, that's horrible. And she's like, that that's a business opportunity. Like, <laughs> but we're going to increase market share because we have the one immune wheat strain. And but also, is it really true that wheat is the backbone of the food supply, food chain, food supply chain? Is that true? Yeah, I, well, I would believe it. I mean, I think corn would be up there as well. And rice. My people, rice. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, mean, um, I, mean, I mean, this makes sense. We use wheat for flour, bake a lot of baked goods and things like And, like, wheat, like, does that feed livestock as well? Because that's why I think, like, wouldn't corn be what you feed livestock? Like, I don't know. Yeah. I do know that UG99 is a real thing. That's a real... I'm like, you're hearing, like, all these, like, drug-resistant, like, superbugs because people... You can definitely imagine some kind of like fungus or virus that's just like immune to whatever conventional treatments are already available. Mm -hmm. You know, like you know, people are saying you're getting like staph resistant, like like infection, like that normal antibiotics can't take care of because the viruses have mutated and the the vi the antibiotics we have now like don't kill it anymore. Yeah. Adapted and mutate. So I can believe there's a UG99 out there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's terrifying. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, jumping back really quick, because there are some, I think, kind of important things before we get into like really dealing with this whole blight issue yeah. and what Dr. Hannity wants to do. So uh, Parker has gotten her calm and mm -hmm. she puts it in, and, you know, she's relieved that everybody's there, but she mostly just wants to talk to Archie and like tell him she's sorry like she tried and she doesn't, doesn't want him to hurt his real family and you're like oh and i tell archie's kind of like he needed a minute to pull himself together yeah and you can tell that he really cares for her Cold he calls her he calls her kiddo and then she calls him sir and nate does not like either of these things <laughs> he is unimpressed by this dynamic he's all like jealous in competition <laughs> Do you think it's just jealousy that there's this other father figure in her life or, or something, something else? Or, or something that there's, some, there's just aspect of Parker's life that he doesn't know about or couldn't figure out. Yeah, I think, I think it might be partially that, a little bit of the jealousy. But I think also, like, Nate doesn't see Parker as a little kid. And and Archie did, you know, she was little, she was young when they met. So their relationship very much is father daughter. Uh, it's like how to a parent, like even though you're thirty something years old to your parents, you'll always be little Steve, like little baby Steve, your little yeah. girl. You know? Yeah. Um, but, but I think that also, like, if I think 
from Nate's reaction that Archie didn't take Parker in as a real daughter. And so he, at this point, should be treating her as an equal. Like, she has surpassed him as the best, the world's greatest thief. Like, he shouldn't be calling her kiddo anymore. And and I think it's understandable that he does. This is a stressful situation. We're going to revert back to the status quo. Uh, but Nate's just, like, so pissed about this happening in the first place that he's not okay with it. And he's like, you put her in this situation. Yeah. yeah. Which is about to switch. <laughs> But also, um, like, did we also forget the poor schmuck who thinks, like... Oh, we're, yeah, I was about to get to that. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, you you explain the schmuck. So, uh, Parker is trying to get to her next spot so she can get out, and she's waylaid by this dude who was in the VP room earlier, uh, but I guess now is not really a VP. He's just uh, in marketing. And apparently, he and the woman who were in the... was like actually works in the cubicle that Parker was hiding in have been having an online office romance and <laughs> Parker is awkward in like the best Parker way. She's like, who is this? Who are you? <laughs> like, stop. How do I get out of here? <laughs> like, Leave me alone. And he's so awkward. <laughs> oh, it's oh, great. Um, and then she gets kind of pulled along into a, a like the weirdest severance party ever. Like where. And he's like, just like reading letters. Which is basically like Parker's version of Hell on Earth. Like this is oh, her. Yeah. Oh yeah, like enforced and, celebration with people. And incompetence. Yeah. Like remember how she's looking up when Archie's like, kiddo, look around, tell me what you see. And he's like, people stealing supplies. And they're bad at it. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, it's like offended like yeah but i feel like at that point like if you're about to be laid off like whatever just steal whatever you want don't be subtle about it <laughs> uh just so good um and and like ellie is like getting to the executive offices and yes part hardest is trying to head him her there so our ellie can break her out so. But so now he has to somehow climb this building in broad daylight but luckily there's a window cleaner outside Luckily, and uh, if we think of that scene in First Wives Club, oh my gosh, yes! <laughs> and as people, as someone who is like terrified of heights, and that would be like my hell on earth. Yeah, oh. like hanging on that rickety little thing. So, and, then, and like, okay, for whoever is not ever seen first wives club first of all like what is wrong with you like, like first of all pause this podcast and go watch the first wives club thank us later <laughs> now that you're back um it's so good right uh no my dad for his job uh not he has to get on those things sometimes but sometimes <laughs> they have ones that are just lifted up by a crane and they go up like 10 stories in the air and oh. then they like in the wind they like move like, i would my like, dad will like post send us photos in our group chat of like him up on this giant thing like from above i would be freaking the fuck out oh yeah and he i mean he just brags about it he's like oh look i'm 10 stories up here oh my god my god dad stop that i would have a heart attack like yeah. oh god no yeah um okay so we did that do 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 so uh you oh, know we found out that <laughs> He's still cranky waiting for Parker. Yes. Uh, And everybody's sort of coming up with the same idea at the same time uh, that she has this blight. She 
made this strain of wheat that's immune to it, she has um, coerced somebody into stealing something I'm, for her. And that, and Hannity rattles Sophie so much. Like at the end, she's like, and Sophie's like, I lost her. I, I like, she was kind of like, she needed a minute to get herself together. She was just so like, I can't believe what I just listened. Like, is this real? Like, like she's, like Archie said, like she had to be a mo- she's had to be a monster. And she's yeah, like, this, is, yeah. this is proper villain shit here. And you know, Nate's Hardison matches up the schematics of the thing that uh Archie was supposed to steal, and it is the same thing that the blight is kept in. So and, and Nate like, realizes she's gonna get the blight and going she's going to release it to <laughs> manufacture this important information, like he goes into the levels of Starenko, like basically saying, we're at a level one, we don't want it to go to DEFCON 5. Yeah, because then it'll be like hazmat, and it'll be bad, bad, bad. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. Um, is this, like, the biggest bad thing that they've had to go up against? Um, I mean... With, like, the most far-reaching consequences? I feel like maybe... I mean, season three, we are going global. Yeah. So, I mean... And and I mean, but I'm just thinking, like, the long-term consequences of if... Spoiler, they, they do uh, stop this. Um, <coughs> they hadn't just how it would have affected the entire world. I think that's, like, the biggest... Mm, that's true. With yeah. possible consequences for just, well, like... You know, I mean, you know, well, with the multi-spalco job, with, like, the arms dealer, like, that's kind of big, you know? yeah. But that's not going to touch every single person in like small towns and yeah. low income and yeah. I just feel like this would touch everybody's life if wheat is really the backbone of everything. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah. I mean, last in the last episode, we were fighting the Iranian government, which is pretty big as well. <laughs> but I just feel yeah. like this is like necessarily massive right. thing. every sit every person on the face of the earth. Yeah, but I think I think this would right, especially in the U.S. Food supply, yeah, everybody's got to eat. Yeah, that's that's like fucking up the water. (laughs) So yeah, so um, yeah, they're all kind of coming to this realization right as Elliot's stakes are high. What stakes are high? Stakes are very high, and we're all realizing this just as Elliot is about to bust through a window and get Parker out. I mean, is it just me or is he being particularly cranky today? He's particularly cranky. Well, one of his people is stuck and she didn't ask for his help to begin with. He's really angry that she did this without a partner <laughs> from the get-go. Um, like, so, he, he, that he wasn't there to have her back. So, he, yeah. so this whole thing could have been prevented in the first place. Exactly. And But just as he's about to get her out, she is also having this crisis of... You know, Nate wants to take down Hannity anyways, but Parker is coming to this realization like they have a record of me breaking into this room. So now Hannity could just grab the blight and just walk it out and blame it on the break in. So she needs to go back and get that so that she doesn't do it. And Nate's, you know, all for that. And Archie is like, Sophie's like, yeah, Nate. This is bad. Like, did you listen to that shit she was saying? Yeah, we've we've got to do something. That's what we do. Uh, and you know, Archie's like, no, like, you, this and isn't what we do. You, you just get out, you get your thing, and you get out. You take care of yourself. And Parker's like, no, that's what you do. What we do is help people. 
And you see why in the beginning, Parker has needs improvement check on playing and working well with others. <laughs> yes. And now on her progress report, it says that she's come a long way. <laughs> and you can see where she gets her meticulousness, like the whole everything is just so like it's from Archie. Like Archie's like, you know, like very clean, in and out, no trace. It's kind of mm -hmm. like, but the team rules with the messy. Yeah. With the messy. Yeah. And 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 he was just very like, everybody's in it for themselves. And for the past three three seasons, it's kind of like we are family. Mm -hmm. you know? Which is, he doesn't know that. So he's completely like, why are you acting outside of the norm? Like, why are you not following? into you? Have I not taught you anything? Get the hell out of there. Yeah. And she's like, uh, I, you taught me things. And then I learned some new stuff. So she says, you know, I was doing that by myself. <gasps> I, I'm not alone anymore. Like I have my people and we can do this. I know what I did wrong. And now I have the backup. So we're yes. going to go back. We're going to do this. <laughs> and Archie doesn't, he doesn't trust that they can do it, that they can get her out alive. Um, and yes. to be fair, as soon as she runs back out of the office, she is caught by a security guard. <laughs> but because she's not alone, Elliot's there to knock the guy out. And then immediately after that, they get into a stairwell and they're caught again. But Elliot is oh, still there. There's one bit where like, I am not riding that Yes, she wants to ride the rope down the middle of the stairwell, which is super fast. And he's like, no. And I love that he says, are you kidding me? And then he asks the man who he's choking out, is she kidding me? And then Parker's basically like, suit yourself, whatever. Right, you down on the biohazard store. Bring me the Franco. Hmm? Bring me the Franco. Bring me Franco. Yes, and bring, bring me the scanner. <laughs> she yells as she goes. Like Archie is beside himself. Oh, yeah. Like said, like, despite all that, he loves the girl. Yeah. But Nate's like, uh, hush, Leech, I'm on the phone. <laughs> it's so good. And uh, Hannity and Voorhees have figured out that Sophie and Hardison were not real. And they're, com they're convinced, like, part of, like, Leech's, like, double cross or something. And mm -hmm. she was livid. Yeah. So, like, she's still probably ruffled from Sophie, like, picking mm -hmm. at her. So she is, like, she's in her feelings. Yeah, she's like, we're gonna take them out. <laughs> and she, she's like, yeah, cool, we're gonna kill the, we're gonna kill her. <laughs> like, she's like, this is personal. Like, that, yeah. that bitch is coming. <laughs> <laughs> but, luckily, Nate has already told Sophie and Hardison to get out. Yeah. Like, and me meanwhile, <laughs> like, and Hardison is like, Y'all like been like put some pep in your step. Sereko was kicking my ass. Exactly. I, I freed up an elevator for you and I opened up the room to the biohazard. Well, whatever. Like, it is. And then I'm yeah, I've got to go. So see ya. <laughs> and then we we have uh we were talking earlier about Christian Kane doing ridiculous stunts. He's like goes sliding down <laughs> around the corner on the ground. And he after takes he the security guard. Before after he chokes the schmuck. That's after he chokes the schmuck. They're like on the biohazard floor. And he like they run around the corner and he just like slides and takes out a dude. And was not in the original script, but when they were on set, uh 
John Rogers is like, I showed up and here's like Christian Kane, like, oh, look, cool. And he's like sliding across the floor like a child. Right. Like, we can do this. And refusing to, ex- to, to explain sex scene to Parker. He's like, I am not having, I refuse to have this conversation. And uh, I can't blame him. No. I do not want to have a conversation trying to explain sex scene to Parker. No. Um, <laughs> and, and she asked that because they run into the awkward dude again. And, and Elliot's like, you want me to take him out? And he, I'm being unfair. He's not a schmuck. He's just Yeah, he's just an awkward dude. He's just awkward cubicle man. And um he's like, who's that guy? And Parker's like, oh, boyfriend. <laughs> and then she like almost goes in to kiss him and is like, no, no time. And she runs <laughs> Elliot is cranky. He wants to get the hell out of there. Like he's not right. Do I, to, do I need to punch this man unconscious? No? Okay, let's go. Like, what do you think? Like, okay, I have no time for this. Do I need to punch him or what? Yeah. 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 Punch? No? Yes? Okay, bye. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they they get to the room where the, the blight is A little bit of, like, exposition dumping. Like, it wasn't this kind of code. It was this kind of code. Yeah, I, like, looked up. I couldn't figure out what she said for the first one. Or shell code or an ASCII code. Yeah, I was like, I couldn't find anything with like a NASCII code. And I'm like, maybe I'm spelling that weird. But a shell code, I looked it up. It didn't make any sense to me. So uh, I'll put a link to a Wikipedia page. Like like a sarcastic, like slow golf clap. Yay. He's like, you're awesome. Can we go? We got to get out of here. So good. Um, But when they pull, when they open that up, uh, an alarm is triggered and it, this is one of the higher alarms that's going to call for hazmats and police yeah. and, and uh, firefighters and stuff. Yeah. And then the firefighters and the hazmat teams have come and uh, a leech is so beside himself. So pissed. He pulls a gun on Nate. To what end? Like, what's he going to do? He's like, I'm angry. Can we I'm angry. Talk about the fact that like Nate is just so unfazed by the gun in his face? Oh, yeah. He's just kind of like, it's like it's not even there. Like, he's not even there. Done that. I've been shot several times. It's fine. (laughs) Like, he's so unbothered. Yeah. Well, he says, You're not a hitter. You're not going to shoot me. That's not what you do. Um, Like, that's the point when Leech finally understands, like, the Parker I knew is, she's different now. And you ruined her. She was special. Now what is she? And yeah. like, I made her unique. And what is she now? And I love that Nate doesn't even try to understand what Parker is. He's like, I don't know what Parker is. She probably doesn't even know. And it doesn't matter. Because we're going. And then he's like, I'm. He, like, are you done threatening me? Because yeah, I, got- done- I got a job to do. We have to go in and get our girl. And he's like, wait, you're going in after her? And he says, yeah, I always was. And at that point, Archie was kind of, oh, okay. (laughs) Okay, I get this. Like, you're not just going to leave her hanging in the wind, you know? Okay, like, you you have a plan, okay? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Voorhees and Hannity see that Sophie and Hardison are putting on the hazmats that have been in this hallway that we've seen several times. And they're like, okay, we can't catch this elevator because it's the Serenko doesn't have control, but we can cat, you know, meet it at the ground floor. And so everybody's being evacuated and they stop them in the elevator and they get back on and they're holding them at gunpoint and they take them up to a completely cleared out floor. And she proceeds to give her evil speech of evil. Can I just say, this was a particularly like delicious, like takedown of the villain. 
this is particularly delicious. It was, it was very nice because she just literally says everything that she's going to do and how she's going to murder them. And I'm going to blame you people. Like, yeah. And we're going to burn you in the incinerators and I'm going to cause a blight that's going to take out the food source around this country. And, you know, and, you know, like, Mr. Voorhees will accommodate how you want to die. It's back of the head. <laughs> Yeah, and he smiles. And uh, luckily, she's giving this beautifully made speech to some journalists with a camera who are live. Janet Lynn, who we saw in the very beginning. Daytime Emmy winner Janet Lynn, about to win herself a Pulitzer. <laughs> and which is how Nate hooked her. Exactly. And he had, that's who he was calling on the phone earlier, was her producer, and he had Hardison trigger the hazmat alarm so that this could all go down, which is Basically, so and kind of like, you look like you'd rather have like a Pulitzer than a local Emmy. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, you know, that's right. <laughs> uh, love her. I was going to look her up because you said she's going to be in more episodes in a past episode. Um, they said that they prefer to hire actual journalists uh-huh. to play journalists because they they do a better job of acting like a journalist. And <laughs> I you go in and look at Sophie Soong. Uh-huh. Uh, see if she does have background in that. So let's see. Before we go on to talk about what um, is one of my favorite shots of this episode and will probably be the gift for this oh i bet i know what it is you do yeah. um so she's only been in the librarians leverage and grim and there's nothing else about her so maybe she is but she just might also be just a local portland actress as well which happens but she was very good um yes yeah, my my favorite shot is we see the team leaving via the window washer thing and so he takes her hair down and does the swoop and then lower her hair and like like glow because you can just see she's like ha ha and then Elliot does it too he does the hair flip <laughs> and and Dr. Hannity is just damn it she's caught, she's caught you know red handed like, right and the fact it's not just like they're they're like taped they're going live so like you yeah. she, she can't want you someone in cold blood. Nothing, nothing you can do now. <laughs> at first she was like, and then at that point she's just kind of like, this really awkward like look on her oh. With her giant eyes, like the shock that she can convey yeah. her giant eyes is amazing. And then like when she sees the team, and especially Sophie, she's like, damn it! <laughs> I was tricked! Yeah, and Leech <laughs> is right there, and yeah. That's still in the hazmat suit, by the way. In the hazmat. Yeah, they're all in hazmat suits. Uh, so good. And then we have, uh, I really love this scene underneath this train track where Archie negs Nate. And then Nate negs him right back. <laughs> so good. But like, we also have uh, Parker's first actual scene with Richard Chamberlain, with, with Archie, which was uh, Beth Reescraft's first scene with him as well. It was lovely. So it was lovely. so good. Like, Beth Reesgraf is so good. Like Parker has no feelings most of the time, but then this, like she just unleashes this. You see all of like her eyes are filled. And with, like you see how much cares. I, I get it. I wouldn't have been fitting with the family. I, I get why you left. Well, I get why you didn't bring me. And then she, and like, 
that's heartbreaking. Like to, because I don't think it's true. Like, sure, she wouldn't have fit in, but that doesn't mean she was unworthy of being taken in. She was as family. Yeah, and to imagine Parker like growing up and thinking, I, I could never because I'm not normal because I I don't fit in and therefore I'm not worthy. Right? That's so upsetting. And I think he really he realizes that. And she has to turn around and comfort him, which I'm like, what the hell? Like, you just had to be saved by your team. Like, you're the one who should be being comforted right now. Like, yeah, we, you're safe. Okay. Yeah. Ugh. But she's over here doing all the emotional labor for this man. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I think Archie was, like, trying to get, he, like, he's trying to meet her halfway. Like, she's trying to, he's trying to explain himself, yeah. you know. She's come so far that she can meet him further you know right i think is you have a crew yeah they're a little undisciplined <laughs> yeah you know she says you know she wouldn't have fit in with a real family and he says you wouldn't need it anyhow you went out and made your own which <laughs> is so good and is actually it's the whole reason i made this I started this podcast is because uh, this artist that I love, Rebecca Mock, on Twitter, like three years ago, she said, if I ever made a podcast, it would just be about leverage and I would just cry about found families. And I was like, yes, that's great. I love that so much. And then it just stuck with me and I could not get it out of my head. And I was like, I have to make this podcast. It's so like, I made this podcast. The Isle of Misfit Toys coming together. Yeah. Like, that's the best trope. Like, that's like weird. And that's the best thing about growing up is finding people that you can make your family who are not just your in writing like you kind of like go back to certain themes and i just feel like one of the themes is kind of like found, found family like how your friends become your family and are there yeah. for you yeah it's it's the best <laughs> you know, yeah. we should all have our own scooby gang you know <laughs> whether you like your original scooby gang or your buffy scooby gang like whatever whoever your scooby gang is you know if it's a group of criminals who've always worked <laughs> alone or you know whatever we all deserve to find that and have that in our lives. I, I, I get, like, I am, I am probably so Velma in this scenario. Oh, like, uh, mm, I think I'm a shaggy. <laughs> I do like a like, sandwich. You, you're just going to go there and own it. Just, you're going to own your shaggy. Yeah. Shaggy's like so low key. Like I love shaggy. I mean, I think anybody that I'm friends with, with identify, would identify as a Velma, but that's since we all, all want to be the smart one except like orange like i can't rock the orange oh i look really cute. we've already talked about how i look good and yeah. orange. um so we the very very last part of the scene is nate checking in with parker which i think is really great as well and i just love that after this heavy emotional scene with him and archie like it ends with the best way and like when she lifts his wallet and then he's and he has that little smile on his face like my wallet Parker. Yes. It was uh, a great singer. Like they're gonna be okay. The two of them are yeah. gonna. They're okay. That's true. Yeah, I really like that. Malcolm Parker's face, like you know, I had to. I had to. Like how it comes full circle. Like like that's how he met her, and it's like. Ah, you know? It's almost like this is what they do every time they say goodbye to each other. <laughs> like the lift. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds neat. Oh, you know. 
We just talked about thief stuff. <laughs> and you can see her whole outfit there, which is really cute. And of course, this is not the last we've seen of Archie Leach. No, we'll see no. him again later. Yes. Which is good. Um, I did not know this about Richard Chamberlain, but uh, he came out several years ago. I think that's beautiful. He moved to Hawaii, apparently, to get away from the Hollywood glare. <laughs> and then finally, when he was 69 years old, he decided he was able to be true about himself and his sexual orientation. And he came out as gay. Oh. And I'm like, that's so beautiful. Why did you make him straight in this episode, John Rogers? <laughs> Live your truth, dude. Live your yeah. truth. I know. So then he's played gay characters in like Will and Grace and stuff like that since then, which I'm like, that's so good. I love it. How did he, oh, how did he end up on Will and Grace? I didn't know that. Was yeah, he? He's a gay cool icon now. Love it. Wow. Huh. Interesting. Okay. So, Lisa, you're going to do our heist light for today, right? Yes. What do you have for us? So, I found, I remember the story that was, that was around last year, and um, it involved the Stein um, Seed Company. And it, basically what happened was a group of these black farmers basically attended this um, the 67th annual Mid-South Farm and Gin Show in Memphis and they bought a more than like a thousand dollars worth of like certified seeds which were, um, I, which I think are supposed to be like modified and give them high yields and things like that and mm-hmm. it's like particularly important because you know black, um, black farmers like there are very 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 few number of black owned farms these mm-hmm. days but I think like there was something uh, one of the statistics in one of the articles said like there used to be a million but now there are only like about 5,000 left or something like that Mm -hmm. so but basically they alleged that what happened was they bought these good seeds but then they were but they claimed they filed filed a lawsuit this group called um, Black Farmer the Association, Black Farmers and Agricultural Association, follow a lawsuit on these farmers' behalf. And this organization is based out of Memphis. But the, the lawsuit alleges that the seeds were switched to uh, inferior ones from a warehouse near Sledge, Mississippi. They, one of the articles is saying um, the, one, the seeds they set off for study, like none of them germinated, none of them planted and grew. Mm-hmm. Um, so the big bad is like the Stein Seed Company. And the owner, or CEO, Myron Stein. Myron. God. <laughs> um, yeah. It was all, of course, like, uh, you know, this is so. This is not true. We take allegations ser- seriously. We did, you know, they, they did an internal investigation, and we didn't find anything. And it was only um, the seed that sold they, to these black farmers. Like, nobody else came forward and said, I bought seeds from this company, and I had the same issues. Correct. Correct. I remember um, hearing about this now. Yeah, and the, yeah, and the group was also saying um, African American farmers, like they've been like victims of discrimination by the Department of Agriculture in other instances too. This article mentions there was a class action against the USDA, and which got a one point oh one point oh six billion dollar settlement in two thousand eleven. The, the follow-up is saying that the, the suit has proceeded and went to mediation, but the mediation with deadline was like March 15th. 
So basically, it's kind of wait and see. And of course, like the Stein company, the lawyers are asking to dismiss the suit, and which I don't think, but I don't think, I think the judge has like, has ruled against that. So I think basically that that was kind of it. Poor farmers getting screwed over by big agriculture. Seemed kind of fitting. Sadly, dovetails perfectly into this whole story, which is just sickening. Like, can you imagine? And apparently, Stein is one of the largest, if not one of, if not the largest, like seed company in the in the United States. Mm -hmm. So, and you know, I'm just thinking about all these poor farmers. Like, they probably came from sharecropper families, so this has been something they've done for generations, and. Things are hard for small family farms. Like, yeah. I mean, they're not a lot left. Like, people think there are all these farms. Mostly it's, like, big, like, dole and big agricultural companies. It's not little mm-hmm. family farms like we're thinking. And it's having a tough time of it. And yeah. now they're sure by getting bad seeds, which is so unnecessary. And that can ruin your entire <clears throat> year, if not more. Mm-hmm. And, that, and most farms barely make enough to you know at all break even from year to year and so a really bad year can completely ruin you and like i think one the leaders of the organization is like this is just going to lead more to more farms closing and people not and people selling and people getting out and you know and yeah and it's horrible and it sucks that the world and the economy has evolved in a way that is hurting and literally killing your business and I just, and I, I don't know what I want, what, what I could say, what I would say to those families. It's, I can't, I can't see myself wanting to say to them, look, you, you bad luck on the draw there, dude. Like, yeah, yeah, no, like, and that doesn't even see like, seem like bad luck. That's like just another drop in the bucket of like systemic racism. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, what, and, and it's, it's, yeah, it's just, it's one of those horrible examples of like we're not all starting out on an even ground already you know and like and it's and these things just hurt the people who can least afford to get hurt by these things so you want to again but you'll hear us again in two weeks when we talk about the Shahrazad job i don't remember who's going to be on but it's going to be someone wonderful all right lisa tell people where they can find you on the internet I am at LaFerrissa1 on Twitter. That is usually the best place to find me. And I will see you all back here for the King George job a couple months from now. Excellent. We look forward to it. All right. And I'm, as always, at LibrarianSty on Twitter. And uh, we'll talk to you in a couple weeks. All right. Bye, (laughs) y'all. Like they're super, like, like you know, Captain Planet or whatever. But there's yeah. combined. powers combined. Exactly. Nate is Captain Planet. <laughs> oh God, he would so hate you if you said that to him. Oh my God. So who's who? <laughs> there's water, fire, okay. earth, heart, or something like that. Yeah, I think? water, fire, earth, wind, and heart. But who is whom on the leverage <laughs> team? So we only have uh, three of them. 
So we have, we have to combine two. But okay. Earth. So whose heart is Sophie? Yeah. She looks after the emotional well-being of the group. But also so does Elliot sometimes. Um mm, no, no, Sophie looks after everybody else. Elliot is definitely the most healthy in his heart, I think. Um okay, so we've got heart. Earth earth that i think that'd be elliot right yeah uh i think wind is parker and then so fire or water for hardison Mm, he could be both i think he's more water like i think so too yeah because he can flow in with the hacking he can flow in okay so he shouldn't you know i mean he has his moments where he can be a little you know Tetchy, mm-hmm. you know, and people are disrespecting the band, disrespecting yeah. Lucille, like he does not like that. Yeah. Okay, then let's have Tara be fire. <laughs> yeah. But go. normally, like he, like Hardison just gets like cranky. Like he doesn't really have a temper per se. Mm-hmm. You know? He just gets pouty, sulky. Exactly. 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 Yeah. All right, so that's that's a <laughs> leverage team as Captain Planet.